Lost the weight upon my shoulder. Now it's easier to walk. I can see the road before me. I am not afraid to fall. All right, welcome to the podcast today. We're here with Jessica Frew. And um, we're so excited to have her with us. She's the, a co-host on the Husband-in-Law podcast, which she does with her husband and her ex-husband. So it's super interesting. And we have just been chatting a little bit before this about how much Chantel and I are both enjoying listening to it. So anyway, we're excited to talk with you. And thanks for being here, Jessica. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, I'll read Jessica's bio. Jessica Frew is a wife, ex-wife, mom, stepmom, and bold action taker. She has a successful podcast called Husband-in-Law that she records with her husband, Matt, and her ex-husband, Steve. Together, they are sharing their stories of love, marriage, coming out, divorce, remarriage, and co-parenting to help others know that they are not alone. She owns The Bold Logic, a company devoted to helping people figure out the what now, after betrayal or having a partner come out. Jessica is a firm believer that by knowing and understanding what it is you really want in life, you can boldly create a life you love, no matter what your circumstances. Um, The transition we're going to talk about today is that Jessica found porn on her computer and not just any kind of porn. This moment changed the trajectory of her life. So welcome and we're excited to learn from you and get to know you and hear your story. So yeah, thanks for having me here. Excited to share, chat with you ladies. Yeah, we're excited. Kind of start off the podcast usually by asking you if you have like a fun story or fact to share with us just to help us get to know you a little better. Oh man, um... I'm trying to think of something random about me right now. (laughs) And I say, so uh, a little while ago, I decided I needed a pair of overalls. And this is like the most random thing ever, you guys. And so I bought this pair of overalls to like celebrate hosting my first retreat and all of these things. And they came in the mail and I instantly fell in love. So I went to my husband and I was like, dude, I just want to wear overalls every day. And he's like, well, then go buy five more pairs of overalls or whatever. <laughs> so, so I currently oh, awesome. live in overalls and it brings me so much joy in my life. And they are just so comfy. So there's something random about me for you right now. <laughs> I love that. It's so cute. And you, yeah, you look cute. Oh, thanks. I- I love that. It's like you could be your statement. Oh, she's the overall girl. She's the fun, you know. There you go. You're saying her background looks so um, bright and fun. And when we've listened to your podcast, that's kind of the vibe we get from you. So I feel like the overalls just kind of fits the vibe. It's awesome. Yeah. They're jamming with it for sure. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, Maybe a little background about yourself, like where you grew up, uh, where you currently live. Okay. Yeah. So I uh, grew up kind of, I mean, mostly in Idaho, Boise, Idaho, and Pocatello, Idaho, which is in the middle of nowhere. But I've lived a whole bunch of different places. I've lived in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Oklahoma, Colorado, Belize, Virginia, Maryland. Uh, So jumped all over. And now I am back in Boise, Idaho. So when I got divorced from my first husband, I came back here because my support was here. So that is where I am now. And no reason to leave for a long time when you have custody agreements you're kind of stuck somewhere until the kids are 18 if you don't want to lose custody of your kids so we are here and we love Idaho it's one of my favorite places that's great yeah I like Boise a lot my husband <clears throat> excuse me my husband's from Idaho Falls okay and it's 
I like Idaho Falls, but it's a little colder. So cold. Then um, Boise is a little bit more like Salt Lake, maybe even a little bit warmer. So yes. Yep. Awesome. That's a great. We almost yeah, moved I really liked Boise. Times. Yeah. So oh, you did? Yeah. There's that. been just random times we almost ended up in Boise. So who knows? Yeah. I actually really like Boise when we've, we drove through there. Do you know what Lake Oahe is? It's like, it, you have to go through Boise to it get there. Anyway, familiar. we've gone up to that lake a few times. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I've really liked Boise when we've dri- driven through it. It's not like kind of what you picture as Idaho mm-hmm. either. It's a bigger city. And anyway, it was actually a really cool place. We love so. it. Yeah. That's nice. It's yeah. a hidden gem for yeah. sure. Actually, during COVID, I had quite a few friends. I used to live in California that moved to Boise. California's like, coming. The Boise people in Boise were like, "Oh yeah, no, no, yeah. no one's supposed to know about Boise." But my friend that lives there loves it so much. Like, and she even grew up in California, but she just loves Boise. So it's awesome. And does your so when you say custody, does your ex husband live in Boise as well, or is it just kind of the arrangements that you made where you're at? So he lives here as well. So yeah. And oh, like, okay. so I have two stepkids now and custody with them as well. We've got mm-hmm. to navigate that. So. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. That's so, great that you're all everybody's here. close. And... <laughs> that's great. Yeah. 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 It makes it much easier for sure. Okay. Well, where do you want to start your story? Okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe with the transition you talked about, uh, or maybe even yeah. just your first husband, like where you guys met mm-hmm. and how long you were married, a little bit about your marriage. Yeah, at the beginning. like the background. When people yeah. always ask me about my life or like where my story starts, that is the point where I start. Well, it gets interesting yeah. when I met my first husband <laughs> and we met in college at ISU, which is in Pocatello, Idaho. And um, I was a vocal performance major at the time. And we I had to go to all of these different concerts as a requirement. And I was sitting at this concert. And I was like, I do not want to be here. I am just not in the mood. And I was about to stand up and leave. And all of these women came in and were like filing into the row in front of me. So I couldn't get out. And I was like, okay, I'll I'll leave as soon as they sit down. And at the end of this trail of women, there's this one tall, good looking dude at the end. And there was nowhere for him to sit with them. So he sat next to me. And I was like, all right this just got better. I'll stay. (laughs) And so I stayed and we talked, you know, off and on throughout the night. And before I left, he's like, Hey, can I get your phone number? And I said, sure. And we went out the next day and we were together every day after that, that we could be, if we could be together, we were together. And I came to find out that he'd like, he lived a block away from me and he'd seen me walking to and from campus and like seen me at the language lab. And he was always intrigued by me so when he sat down next to me he's like sweet um we met in february and we got married that next december so it was pretty quick and we had a really great first year of marriage people talk about how the first year is like the hardest and it's it's really difficult which i understand now with my second marriage but my first marriage i didn't experience that like steve and i had a very easy transition into marriage we were very comfortable with each other and very happy together and I always say this and then I'm like, but six months into our marriage, Steve was out working one day and we were living for the summer in Maryland and I was laying on the floor on our computer. We had like no furniture or anything because we were just there for the summer and I'm pulled up our computer and all of this porn starts popping up on our computer and I was like, okay, well, I knew he looked at porn sometimes, so that wasn't shocking, but what was shocking was the fact that it was all men there were no women in sight. And so I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I know some straight men look at gay porn, but I really deep in my gut knew my husband was gay. And I was like, all right, how, how do I navigate this? 
and what do I think? And I'm laying there bawling, of course, because it's a lot of information to take in when you're six months into your marriage or any time in your marriage, it's a lot to take in. (laughs) And when Steve came home from work that night, he instantly knew what had happened. Like, he's like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And I said, yeah, but we need to talk about this. I found all of this gay porn on our computer. Are you gay? And at that point, he still couldn't use those words. He was still so much in denial that he could not say, yes, I'm gay. Um, And he told me later on, he's like, that was the first time I ever even let myself think the words, I am gay. And so he is processing all of this of accepting who he is and understanding this. And I'm thinking, well, what the heck does this mean for my marriage? How do we proceed? What do we want to do? And at that point, we both just felt sure that that was what we wanted. We were both raised in a very conservative Christian religion. And so being gay wasn't an option. That wasn't something that you did. This is this was the path. We were on the path. And so we decided to continue forward and to stay married. Um, and so we were married another couple years before Steve could actually embrace the fact that he was gay and say those words out loud. He was in counseling and the counselor was like, yes, you need to accept, accept all of these things about yourself and you need to find love for yourself. But until you accept the fact that you're gay, you're never going to be able to move forward. You're never going to fully embrace all these other things and heal through these other things. And so um, at that point, Steve could openly talk to me about the fact that he was gay and we had an ongoing conversation about it. And like amidst all of this, we're in the thick of infertility treatments and trying to figure those things out. Um, But we stayed married for another five years. We did bring a daughter into our marriage about three years in or three years after that. And and then at seven years, right before our seven year wedding anniversary, Steve ended up having an affair. And we tried to work through that. We tried to navigate all of that. And it was a hot mess. And so at that point, we decided... Uh, it was time to divorce and go our separate ways. So that's kind of like wow, that's a lot. the thick of it right there. <laughs> yeah. 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 That is a lot. I, um, as I think I, when I, when we asked you to be on the podcast, I went back and listened to some of the first ones so I could kind of mm. know the story. So, um, I, yeah, I can't even imagine all the things you went through, especially cause it sounds like you guys were like best friends and loved each other. And so to have that probably, I mean, for him to not even say the words to himself until you kind of call them out on it. And I understand that like in um, conservative um, Orthodox religions, like it's not just, well, there's also the um, cultural part that it's, mm-hmm. what year was this? Oh man, it was, so when he first came out, it would have been like 13, 14 years ago. Like when he came out to me, roughly yeah, at that point. So that's point. like even harder back yeah. then to mm-hmm. come out even without the religious part. And then you add you know, that part in and feeling like something's wrong with you, or I don't want this to be me. I can change myself. Um, yeah, that is hard and really commendable for you to stick with him and, you know, just say, okay, let's try to work this out. I mean, that would be really hard. Yeah. But it'd be also hard to leave him. Like, you know, if you love him (laughs) at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was going to be hard either way. And I think that it was a safe place for the time that we are together for Steve and I to stay together, to be able to figure out who we were and to support each other through that process. And so I think that's why it worked for us to stay together for as long as we did. And then um, we just accepted that it was the time for us to, to separate. Not that it was easy, yeah. but, <laughs> no, but we went I'm through sure. it. 
Well, and you have a daughter now, you know, at this point where it's like another layer of commitment and something you have that you're going to always have together. So no matter what, you were going to be part of each other's lives. For sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. I wondered, and I hope, I mean, I want to be sensitive to like the whole story, but I just wondered, was there any part of when you thought that maybe, maybe he's bisexual? Like maybe, and did he consider that or was it just like, no, we know that he's gay and we're going to work it out from there? You know, he never used the term that he was bisexual. He, he's always said, you know, you're the only woman I've ever been attracted to. And he hadn't like, I mean, there was just nothing in his past that he was ever attracted to any other girls. He's like, there was something about you that intrigued me. And it was interesting too, because as soon as he had the affair, it was just like, he was not attracted to me anymore. As soon as he opened up that side of himself completely, the attraction for me was gone. And so he's never, I know a lot of guys go through that phase when they're married to a woman and then they realize they're gay, that they think, well, maybe I'm just bisexual. And then they come to a full understanding of no. I'm actually just gay. I need to accept that about myself. Yeah, that is really, that would just be so hard. (laughs) And I can, and it makes sense that once he had an affair, that it was that he could like, okay, actually I am gay. Like, you know, it's amazing because you would think like some people say, oh, you didn't come out to you're this old. So maybe you weren't gay before or, you know, but it's like, I think it's, it's culturally and religious. It's like hard to even let yourself go there mm-hmm. in your mind. Okay. I'm gay. But if he's like, well, I'm attracted to her. She's the only woman I've been attracted to her. I can make this work. I can not be gay. Like, yeah, you know, or whatever, because I love this person and we've made this work. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was just interesting. I, you know, cause I do feel like you're saying there's a lot of people you hear who are in, you know, married to in like a heterosexual marriage, but the partner is bisexual. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that that's something you know, just another avenue that people are also trying to figure out. So I think that, yeah, it's just interesting to consider that. But it does make sense to me that once he explored that, then maybe he's like, well, this is more who I truly am, you know? So and then, and then what next? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. My dad has always said, he's like, I, he's like, I went back and forth. Of course I was mad and angry that Steve had an affair, but he's like, I've come to realize that I don't think there was any other way for your marriage to end. Like there was no other way for you guys to come to the conclusion that, that yes, this was the right way forward. And while it was hard and it, it probably, I mean, it wasn't necessary, but it also kind of felt that way for us, for Steve to have that yeah. understanding that this, yes, is who I am. This does feel natural. This is right for me. And um, I don't wish that on anyone but also it gave us clarity as we move forward yeah it's I mean, it makes sense but like you said that's not doesn't make it easy but it makes mm-hmm. yeah. because you probably would have tried to hold on because you did you know it sounds like you guys are best friends and you did enjoy being around each other and now you have this daughter that it would be like you kept holding on for those things and maybe you know that you guys both have probably would have missed out on things that have happened since for the sure divorce that they're beautiful you know mm-hmm. it would be kind of interesting so let's talk about when you decided to do the podcast, well, actually, okay. What about after you divorced your husband? Okay. Kind of what was the plan after that? Like, where did yeah, you live? What, what was the... Yeah. So yes. once we were able to accept the fact we were really getting divorced and embrace that, I, I started tackling the fears I had around being divorced. Like, what is so scary about this to me at this point? I... I know that this is going to be healthier for both of us in the long run, but it still came with a lot of fear. And I realized that 
you know, I had only seen one version of divorce in my life and it wasn't personal to me. It was, and Steve and I, you know, neither of us had divorced parents, but watching other people around us who went through divorce, our friends, you know, as their parents divorced and such, it was always mean and vicious and angry and people were bitter. And it was, you know, the kids are stuck in the middle of that. And I came to realize that my fears and concerns weren't for me, it was for my daughter. What does this look like for her? And I just couldn't handle the idea that when we came to her big events in her life, whatever that looked like for her, that she would have to worry about Steve and I being in the same room. Like I did not want that. And so I was like, all right, so what does that look like now for us to be able to create a relationship where she doesn't have to worry about that, where she knows mom and dad are good, they can be together. And, um, and Steve and I talked a lot about that because I said, this is my fear and my concern. This is what I don't want. And we focused on what we did want and how that looked moving forward. And so we really got intentional about how we navigated, um, our relationship at that point. And people think like they look at our relationship now <laughs> where we are, like we do so much together. We're super close. We have a podcast together. Um, Steve's boyfriend is welcome in our home. We do holidays together. Like we are very close. And I always remind people that that isn't how it started. Like, yes, we were still close, but we held firm to a lot of boundaries to to reinstate the love and respect for each other and the trust in each other. So there was a lot of time where we were very clear about Penny's schedule and that was very much respected on the other person's time. We didn't really negotiate that. It was just set in place. Um, and then we we really worked to give each other space to heal. And I, that was vital for us is taking that space to, I need to heal on my own and you need to heal on your own. And while yes, there are times that we support each other or like occasionally we'd call up and be like, Hey, I need a break. You need to, can you take Penny? Because I'm, I'm not okay. I'm emotionally not okay. And like those types of things that came up and we really just supported each other in that healing process and gave each other a lot of grace. And as that came together, we also <laughs> put out there, I always, you know, we talk about manifesting and stuff all the time. And <laughs> I always joke that like the thing I've manifested in my life was first my relationship with Steve after we got divorced and second, my, my second husband, because I told Steve, like all of these things that I wanted, ideally for my relationship with a partner moving forward and his relationship with a partner moving forward of what we hope that could look like. And we have that. And I am, I think it's been such a blessing and a gift to be able to find that. And I know um, not everybody does, but it was a lot of intentional work of focusing on the end of what we really wanted for our daughter instead of just the hurt and pain that we're in. Yes, we embraced that. Yes, we felt all those feelings and embraced all those feelings, but we didn't spew them back at each other or use them as um, like ammo against the other one. Instead, we use them in a way to help us move forward and create a relationship that we wanted. Yeah, that's really commendable. Yeah. I think that's so admirable because it would be so easy. And I think like you're saying, we, we see a lot of people and examples in our lives who don't do that. And then it turns better and it puts the kids in a really hard situation. So putting your kid first and like wanting to do the best for her, but then I'm sure it's obviously it's created such good results for you guys in your life too. I mean, now you're doing a podcast together. So it's just cool to think that the goal was for your child, but it ends up benefiting you guys also, you know, I don't know. I, I think that's really neat. I always say it's almost, it's almost selfish in a way. 
it, it's not, but it can feel selfish because I know Steve so well that he tells me all of these things that other co-parents just wish they could know. Like they want to know, well, what are all of these details of somebody of their co-parents life that you can't know? It's not your business. But because of the friendship and relationship Steve and I have, we get to have that and we get to understand where the other one's coming from and we get to navigate hard conversations together instead of just kind of separately. So it's, um, yes, you like we're doing it for our daughter, but ultimately it was a gift to ourselves and to each other in the long run. And in that moment, yeah. I mean, it took healing ourselves yeah. to be able to create this relationship. Yeah. And I really yeah, appreciate sure. like my um, husband's parents have been divorced since he was about 12, but they, I think for their kids will come to the same events. Even when we lived in California and there was a big event, they'd both stay at our house. And even now, if our kids have like a state championship game, they both sleep over at our house. And I feel like, and when we go to Idaho to visit, she'll have him over for dinner when we're mm -hmm. all having dinner. Like it's, and or vice versa. Like it's so nice for the kids, for the grandkids, for the in-laws, for everybody. I mean, maybe would they choose to be together? Probably not, but because they do it for the kids and it just makes it such a better environment because you know those families where, you know, another I have another family member where it's an in-law that is just awful. Like, they don't, they can't be in the same room. They don't respect each other. They don't, it's just, and it's so sad because they're really missing out, I feel like, on, you know, experiences, conversations, and relationships that, you know, like yours that can be kind of a, a, a really cool thing. Like, a, yeah. and an example to so many people. I can see as you're talking, like, no wonder why she has this where you know her podcast and her business to help people because you have so much to offer so and yeah. and the other thing along with this that I like to point out is so with my husband's ex-wife we have a very different relationship that has a lot of those high conflict typical things in it and we understand that not every co-parenting relationship can be this way and that's okay like sometimes the best thing for the kids is finding a healthy relationship where you aren't interacting a lot and where you are just you know sticking to the custody schedule very firmly and you don't communicate except via email or different things like that so i understand that you can't have it all and which also makes me appreciate my relationship with steve more um but it also reminds me that this isn't for everybody and that's okay and that's one of the things we really encourage in our podcast is just and in the work that i do is just encouraging people to figure out what works for them and embrace that there's no way this should look there's no right or wrong way to move forward it's what feels right for you in your relationship with your co-parent with your partner with your ex with whoever like it's your determination you get to figure out what works for you yeah, yeah. maybe this is that's like actually a, really good yeah to point out i like that yeah i was wondering like and maybe this is like a naive question or like not educated. Like, do you think it's easier because your husband's gay? He didn't have an affair with a woman. He had an affair with a man. So you just kind of know. And maybe it's easier to talk about his relationships because I don't know, like with your and maybe they're just two different people in totally different situations that with your husband, you're a woman. She's a woman. Or is that not like, I don't know. Is that a thing? Yeah. Is that make it easier? Or is it just your personalities that make it or maybe both I don't know <laughs> so yeah. I actually get asked that question a lot like is it easier because he's with man or people will just be like well it's easier for you because you don't have to compare yourself to a woman or whatever and sure there might be things that are easier I don't know because I haven't been in that yeah, situation <laughs> um yeah but I also know it's just different 
everybody's heartache, everybody's grief, everybody's mourning process, it's not something, I think we get stuck in like a comparison mode. And I think that we just use that to justify why we can be pissed off and angry. And, you know, maybe I don't have to, like Jessica doesn't have to be pissed off and angry because this is her experience because there was just a man involved. I get to be pissed because it was a woman. And so like, I think in letting that go, that idea that it might be easier or whatever, there's healing that can come. And I've had people say that to me directly, like, well, it's just easier for you to to heal because of this um, or that. And I just think that that is a belief we're carrying to protect ourselves and keeps us from being able to heal. Um, I just chose not to compare. And I know plenty of women who, even though their partner has come out and they are with men, there's still like there's still that desire to compare, even though it's not a woman. You can never be a man. Like you could never mm-hmm. show up as a man. And so I, it, but it's still in us to be like, well, why wasn't I enough? Why couldn't I be yeah. enough for him? And right. so I think that, well, yes, it's different. It still comes with a lot of the same feelings yeah. and a lot of the same pain. And in some ways, it may be harder. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like, but not comparing. It's just, you know. Yeah. Well, and I always think. Well, you might feel like. Go ahead. Well, like you were saying, like, I can't ever be a man. Like, even if you want, you know, so yeah, in some ways there's more complicating feelings because anyway. Because we were happy together and we were really good together. And so it's like hard to understand why we couldn't be together. Well, why can't we make this work? Why can't this be enough? And then realizing that, no, there's just more to it. And so embracing that you can be, you can still have a relationship. You can still be happy together just in a different way. Yeah. That's a good point. I was wondering like if like your perspective as a um, religious person at the time, was that part hard for you? Like the, okay. Cause if you're taught like gay people are not going to heaven or they're not, that's a sin or whatever. Like how did you, or how, I don't know. Yeah. How, what, how do you feel over about the, that? And how did you time, have to yeah. come to terms with that? So it's interesting because I never felt being gay was wrong or being queer in any way, however you identify being within that community, that there's anything wrong with that. Like I've never carried that, even though I grew up in this very conservative religious, like Christian religion, Steve very much mm-hmm. did. Steve very much felt like if you are gay, you are going to hell, you need to change yourself, you need to pray it away. So he had to navigate that a lot more in the immediate um, coming to love and accept himself. And me, it's been an interesting shift, especially I feel like over the last probably five years, we've been divorced 11, uh, of me trying to navigate my faith now. Because there's definitely things, I mean, I watched the pain and hurt that Steve went through, and my faith and beliefs have definitely shifted a lot. And um, there are now a broader spectrum of things within my religion that I'm like, really that I struggle with and that I don't understand and that I quite honestly don't believe or buy into at this point. And that being said, there are so many things that I love and that resonate with me and that I want to show up for and realizing, you know, I think, I think in religion, we often think so much black and white. We make it just, you know, it's this way or it's, you know, that way there's no gray and I firmly believe that there's just a whole bunch of gray and there's no black and white. And so I think I've just had to shift that thinking from a black and white mindset into a much more nuanced, 
um, approach that feels honestly more in line with me of what I believe God and Jesus Christ to be than the one maybe I carried before. So for me, it's been like a beautiful way to learn how to love more and to be more open, but it is going through your faith and religious beliefs is like a, um, it's kind of like a minefield of <laughs> what's yeah. triggering and what's not. And how do I navigate this and where do I belong? And I've never really fully, I feel like shown up as a typical um, Christian in my religion. And so I think that it's been a little bit easier to go through this process than it is for some, but I've kind of always been on the outskirts. So it made it a little easier to navigate. It's definitely a thing that comes up yeah. not only for me, but a lot of the women that I work with. Yeah. I feel yeah. like, um, that, that in that way, in, in, well, in many ways that Steve was lucky to have you in that instance, because if you were like that, where you just accepted it and didn't think it was wrong and he he's the one that is gain. He can't even accept himself that you were probably, I imagine super helpful for him. And I was a lot like that. I mean, I grew up in the LDS culture, um, lived in California during prop eight and I just felt not right about it. And I never thought it was wrong to be queer. And I, I had a really hard time. Um, and that was kind of my first step away from this religion because I just didn't feel right with it. So I can completely relate, even though I don't, it's funny because I would say everybody like, oh, do you have a, you must have a family member that's gay. And that's why you feel that way. And I'm like, no, I actually do not have anyone close to me. I just <laughs> have never felt like it was, it didn't feel right inside of me. And, and so I had to kind of step away, you know, for other reasons as well. But that was kind of the beginning and, mm-hmm. of the end for me. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I like how you pointed that out though, Chantil, that she was, I mean, he, he's so fortunate to have you in that because can you imagine if you would have been more, one of more of those like really black and white thinkers with that and just caused more shame for him. I mean, who knows how much longer you guys would have been stuck in that shame cycle, even within your marriage could have caused a ton of hate and sadness and hurt that you guys were able to. So I love that the church as a whole, I mean, I, I don't know, like I tend to feel like they are coming to a more loving um, inclusive. They're trying, I shouldn't say slow progress, some of it, or maybe I just tend to listen to more people that are, I don't know, but there's progress being made, I think in some areas, but it's like, if just more people could maybe have more of that understanding then in these situations, whether it's your husband Mm -hmm. or your child or a family member, like let's not add on that shame and those layers of guilt. Cause I'm sure, trust me, those ki- those people are already feeling that, you know, yeah. from their own yeah. selves. Yeah. Lindsay, so how talk- can we, yeah, we've talked about that a lot. How can we as family members and friends support them, you know? Yeah. And the like black yeah. and white thinking that we were, we grew up that way and it's just probably not the best way to show love and acceptance to think so black and white. And I'd read a quote, yeah. I have to find out, I'm always quoting qu- quotes on our podcast, but it was about kind of fo- following the media, like the middle way and because that makes you more understanding for both sides because if you're so far one way or the other with political issues with social issues even with religion you can find yourself um being less accepting and less understanding of others it doesn't mean you have to change your mind or you know leave your beliefs or faith behind but it can make you understand where people are coming from and be more loving like we had richard osler on Mm. our podcast and he Mm -hmm. just sets such a good example for that and finding a way to love and accept queer members and whether they stay in the church or leave, whether they decide to be with someone or not. Like, it's just, I don't know. He has such great things to say about that. And yeah, he was really good. He does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like going back to like Steve and I is like, I've always felt that I was put in Steve's life for that reason. 
to help him know that he was still loved and needed and wanted because he went through a point in his life, like after we were getting divorced, where he was dealing with suicidal thoughts. And uh, I, I was the one that was there for him in the middle of the night when he would call me. I slept with my phone on for probably five years during the night. And I made that clear to him that my phone was always on. If he needed me, he would call. And it was just a couple times that he called in the middle of the night and he'd be like, I'm not okay. I um, just don't know what to do. And I just, I want to be done. I want to be done. And here I am, the person who should be the most angry at him. And I say should with like quotations, who should be telling him, no, I, I need you in my life. You are important. You are valued. You are of great worth. Please go home and call me in the morning. Like if I do not get a call from you, I will be... <laughs> pounding on your door. <laughs> and um, and so I have viewed that as a beautiful gift that we've been able to give each other. And he's been there for me in my lowest moments as well. And so I, I've always felt that way that I was here to do that for Steve. And now I have the opportunity to help the women on the other side of that, that were in my situation. Um, and I also get to help people. I Part of the reason I'm still in the church, I am in the LDS church, um, is because I want to be a safe place for people like that's and I I'm okay to stay I know it's not a, like it doesn't work for people to live in this nuanced place sometimes within the church but for me it works and I am emotionally and mentally okay with that and so I I choose to stay I I can't say whether that will always be the case or not um but for now I find great purpose in that of being there and being able to provide a safe space for for people. And so, yeah, I totally know what you're saying. And yes, there is progress, but it is so slow. And uh, yeah, a few steps forward, a few steps back. Yep. It feels kind of up and down as well. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's so admirable. Yeah. Like people like you, like Richard Osler. I mean, there's a lot of people that I think are really making a difference within the community and it's just needed and necessary. So anyway, yeah. I love that. And it's just so neat. I love that you've also kind of realize that within yourself like you were there for him at that time and maybe that was part of the purpose of why you guys you know were there I mean you could offer that to him maybe no one else could you know you had that unique perspective I'm so impressed with you by the way like to back then to have that perspective like I mean I just anyway I don't I I'm totally impressed so I feel like that was really progressive you of you at the time especially knowing the culture that you're raised in and you know, even me, like, I think me and Chantel both grew up with really open-minded, loving parents, but it was just, and, and I, I am the same. I see a lot of good about the church and as, as a whole, the members are very loving people, but I think it's just that it was just the mentality at the time. I'm assuming we're all around the same age group. Like it's just what we grew up with, you know? So anyway, really cool that you were that way. Yeah. Yeah, That you were there for him during those suicidal Mm -hmm. times, you know, because you, I mean, we know that we know that kids take their lives because they don't feel safe, worthy, they don't feel accepted. They don't. And they think that's the any best age. Way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah out, so especially that group. Yeah. That group's so much higher of a risk. Yeah. 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 And now your daughter has, yeah, still has her dad, which is super important. So yeah. so important. It's amazing. Yeah. And I, yeah. he just kept saying, well, she'd be better off without me than having a gay dad. And I'm like, nope, mm. nope. She needs you. Aww. She needs you as long as she can have you. So please stay with us. And, um, he sees that now, like he can see now clearly 
that she is better off, which does lead me, you guys asked, like brought up how we ended up having the podcast and whatever, (laughs) which kind of leads me to that point is, you know, I always knew from about the time Penny was six months old, that this was a message we were going to share. And at the time I thought we were going to be this poster child couple you know like oh look at us we stayed in a mixed orientation marriage within the church and how we made that work and all those Mm. things and obviously that is not it and I'm so glad because I feel like this is such a more powerful opportunity um, because I feel like if we had stayed in that marriage we would have been suppressing who we were and I do not believe that that is the plan for any of us here on earth is to suppress who we are but to be fully ourselves and to embrace that and so when Penny was about six months old, I just remember I could tell you exactly where I was. I, I just felt like I would not have any more kids. And so I needed to really embrace this one little girl that I had and that Steve and I would share our message someday. And now fast forward, I don't know, that was like 12 and a half years ago, something like that. Um, and here we are having this opportunity. And for me, it's been able to help so many women and support them and the men and all that, like help families. And Steve, when I initially approached him about doing a podcast, I was like, listen, I'm ready to do this. This is my plan. I would love to have you join me, but I'm doing it either way. And he came back to me a couple weeks later and he said, Jessica, I knew how low I was at the time. And it would be so selfish of me to not share our experiences so that people would feel less alone. And he said, I don't want anybody to feel as low as I did. Um, they still might get that way, but at least they know they're not alone and that they can make it through this. And so he said, I'm in, let's do this. And so we started the podcast. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. And was your husband part of it from the get-go too? Yeah. He was like, if you guys are both in, I'm okay. in. And I'm like, sweet. And he's yeah, like, he and the a idea. Different perspective. Yeah. yeah. The yeah, idea is, you know, so cool. like Matt's the moderator, my husband's the moderator, and then Steve and I go back and forth. But we also in the process have shared Matt's story and the things he's experienced um, and mine and Matt's second marriage, because holy crap, that's a whole nother mess that people go through that we don't talk about honestly about how difficult that is and all the thoughts and feelings and emotions that come up there. And then also Steve and Matt's relationship and how that's worked out and all of those things. So, and we have recently had Steve's boyfriend on, which was pretty fun to, to have him join and be a part oh, of that cool. too. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of, you know, why we did it and why we're still doing it. Yeah. I love that. That's that awesome. Yeah. Your experiences can help others and I'm sure you've helped so many like you know it's weird because in my mind I'm like well, how common is it for you know people to get married and have their husband but I think it's more common than way more I, common than I ever yeah. thought for sure and at the time like I'd never heard anybody I didn't know anybody who had had this experience until I started doing this work I just knew that people mm-hmm. resonated with the story like you guys were saying you like listening to podcasts even though you're not in our same situation of just it's relationships. We, and we want, right. we want love in our lives. Like we are drawn to, to love. And so when people hear this story of an unexpected love, it, then people get so excited. And so we'd heard that over and over again. And we're like, all right, let's share. This is, let's share what we have because we're all willing. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking too. Like, I mean, of course, it's going to be super relatable to someone in your same situation. But when I've listened to it, I feel like 
it can be relatable to anyone that's mm-hmm. been married and that has gone through hard things in marriage or yeah, just relationships in general. It, it, anyway, I think it's great what you guys are doing. Thanks. I love it. Just yeah. the understanding and yeah, it's fun to listen to and yeah. And probably giving people yeah hope, especially if they're beginning of it all. Like, you know, maybe it won't look like yours and Steve's relationship, but maybe there's a, a chance or possibility that we can make something work. That's not going to be a relationship of hatred and being at each other so you can keep the family and the kids in a good spot. And I know that that's always a good thing to hear someone that's gone through something similar and you're like, okay, if they can do it, okay, I think I can figure something out that can, but you also can't control the other person on the other side and you hope they want that same thing, but you never know. But if you can at least get on the path to that type of relationship. Yeah. Steve has a tendency to always give me all the credit for our relationship looking the way it does and being able to work things out. And I'm like, Steve, there is no way this would have worked without both of us being willing to make it work. Like it just isn't possible. Uh, And we, we know that because we've tried on the other side of things with Matt's ex-wife and it looks very different and that's okay. It took a long time to come to peace with that too, that it's okay that it looks different and all of those things. But you, it does take people being willing to engage. And that comes at different times. It comes at different seasons. Um, and giving people the space to get there on their own is really where the magic happens. Yeah, I'm sure it just yeah. takes time. Like people want it to be to look like yours right away. <laughs> and you're like, no, no, yeah. this has been years in the making. Yeah. We need to be patient. Yeah. And... <laughs> well, and I keep thinking about it also is probably, I'm sure, tied to the people's healing too. Mm-hmm. Like, Cause there's trauma in that, like with what happens to end relationships and there's trauma in even past things that maybe lead to the, or whatever. So also just like remembering that everyone's just on their own path and we're all just doing the best that we can. (laughs) And it's a lot of hard stuff in life. So yeah, for some people it might just be better to keep things more at a distance. But I think the main thing is just probably just respectful speech towards the other, the co-parent, you know, whether or not you're on like a super talking relationship or not but when you do speak about them to try to be respectful and kind and 100% stuff like that so for sure yeah yeah but anyway well maybe you could tell us a little bit more about what you do then like I know that so are you a coach um like yeah how are you helping people and I know your podcast is there but what else are you doing yeah so I work with women who have are who have or are experiencing crisis in their relationship. Initially, I was just working with women who had had a partner come out, which um, I've realized I could just speak to that and fill fill spots and help women all day. Uh, but also I was getting messages from women who are like, I feel the same things that you're talking about and I have not had a partner come out, but I'm feeling these things within my relationship and I'm struggling with this and that. that. And is this crazy? And I'm like, no, these are similar thoughts and feelings. Like it's a similar experience. If you've gone through something hard in your relationship, whether that's straight up betrayal on any form or whether that's just like, you know, in your gut, something's not okay. And things just aren't clicking. Um, so I, I coach women who have been through crisis in their relationship. I do coaching groups. Um, I offer one-on-one programs. I also host retreats. I have one coming up shortly, actually, and just diving into that work of really healing. And and one of the things I really focus on is my whole thing is be bold and be boldly you. And it's when we can embrace who we are and get in tune with our gut, like what our gut is telling us is right, that we then get to heal and embrace the good. So that is 
what I do, and that's what we focus on at the retreats and in my coaching groups, is really healing ourselves, shifting those stories that we tell ourselves about you know, our lives and dealing with that comparison like we talked about and being really in tune with our gut so we know what it is we want. Um, like I said, I knew I knew I didn't want my daughter to have the type of relationship where we couldn't be together, where she had to worry about her parents being together. And so that was the focus of our healing and of our relationship. And I think that when you can get really in tune with that, you can let so much go that you think you have to hold on to. Or other people will tell you, well, you should be angry. You should be bitter. You can feel all those things, but also they don't have to control your life. Yeah, that's true to feel that, feel those feelings, but not let them, yeah, control, you know, even some of your actions or the, what you do. With your yeah, life, your so. outcomes. Right, right. Yeah. And I think that's just like awesome. the stigma with, you know, LGBTQ and all of that, there's also the stigma of divorce. And mm-hmm. so that's like, I've changed my little, my, my mind on that too, like, I used to think, okay, you stick it out, you make it work, you do what you have to, you know, and then seeing people's certain, you know, toxic relationships and once they've ended, they've been able to bloom and to grow and to be the person they needed to be. I, I've just definitely changed my tune on that as well. So yep. some things aren't meant to last. Yeah, me too. I agree. <laughs> Chantel actually told me a really good, cause we've heard this boat analogy before, but remember that? Chantel's oh, it's it. a parable yeah. of a raft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's a Buddhist yeah, parable, and I'll probably butcher it because I don't, I haven't looked at it for a while. But it was like you spent all this time building the raft and putting all your heart and soul into it, and then the raft gets you where you need to go, and then you realize you don't actually need the raft anymore. But mm. you feel like you have to carry it around with you and take it everywhere because you spent so much time building it, and it took you places. You owe it something, but that, to realize that sometimes, like, it's okay to let that go, to be grateful for it, and to let it go. It could be a marriage, it can be religion, it could be a job, it could be relationships. You know, where it's like, okay, that's okay that it's done it's okay that you've spent energy and time because you learned a lot along the way and it's okay to let that kind of raft go and move on to the next thing yeah to think about like how it did serve you and how it got Mm -hmm. to where you're at and then it might be okay to let it go yeah and not saying that you have to but I I feel like a lot of people feel like oh then it's just all wasted if I leave this marriage Mm -hmm. or if I leave this whatever it is job religion whatever you want to call it but like it did serve you for the time that it did. So yeah. anyway, and I made love you that. become and the I, person you yeah. are today as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And be great. Yeah. Have find the gratitude for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think we really get hung up on like, we're afraid to hold both. We're afraid to have that gratitude and accept that, you know, this isn't serving me anymore. Or we feel like, well, the marriage isn't that bad. So I can, I should be grateful. I should be appreciative, whatever. Like my life is whatever. It's okay. Um, and we get hung up there and we view divorce as just a complete failure. Like it means that the act of getting married to this person was the wrong choice. And I just don't buy into that for, like thought process. Yes, I think that if you can make it work, you there are people that can make it work, like push through to a point. But there is a point where it's healthier to let go and to exit the raft and find this new adventure that you were preparing for, that you are now ready for. That does not mean your marriage was a failure. People, Women always go back to, well, it was just a waste of time. It wasn't real. It wasn't real. I'm like, yes, it was. Those things were real, but you guys have changed. You have shifted. And now you get to take all of this knowledge and use it moving forward towards whatever it is you want. Yeah. I talked to uh, this guy one time and he said, yeah, my wife called me up one day and was like really pensive and my, his ex-wife. And she said, did we fail? Like, are we a failure? You know, and he goes, you know what? Let me just think this through. 
And he called back and he's like, no, like we had a beautiful relationship. We had four kids together. We, we co-parent them together. Like I don't see it as a failure and I don't see it as, oh, we shouldn't have married each other because we are who yeah. we are today. We love our kids. We love what, you know, so you, if you look at it that way, it makes it a little easier. Yeah, and yeah. One, of, one of the reasons in my bio that I include ex-wife right at the beginning is to take some of that stigma out of it because honestly, that is one of the things I am the most proud of in my life is the relationship that Steve and I have been able to create and to facilitate. Um, and when I say Steve and I, I include my husband and his partner in this, My not my husband's partner, Steve's partner, um, but just I'm so proud of us. And it's been a lot of work and I wouldn't change it for the world. Like I have grown, I have learned, I have, I would not be the person I am today and I would not be able to help the people that I'm able to help if I had not been through this. And so it wasn't a failure. It's been a success and a learning experience. And I think when we can start seeing those things, that's when the power, when we take back our power. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, I'm trying to think, is there anything in your story that I feel like um, we've heard so many awesome perspectives from you and life lessons, and is there anything else that stands out that you'd want to share? I mean, not offhand. Um, This is like always the shortened version, you know, so if people are like, oh my gosh, I need to hear go more to her podcast to listen to more. Yeah. Go start yeah, with episode one. Um, yeah, cause it's through. not like most podcasts. It's definitely, it goes chronologically through our timeline. And so start with episode one and you can get all of the, all of the details. I sometimes relate it to like a true crime show where you're like, and what, <laughs> what happened next? Like, no way. And I'm like, yeah, you're like, like, hanging on. I'm like, I gotta get <laughs> yeah. the next episode. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. Go to the first. <laughs> go to the first. Um, yeah. But there's, and not to say you won't get something if you start later on, but, but if you want the right, full experience, right. start with the first one. Um, but no, I'm just glad to be here and share my story. And if there are women, if listening, if you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, I need some support in crisis in my relationship. If you're ready to take your power back, if you want to reclaim your voice, like don't hesitate to reach out. Yeah. I think that's yeah, so that's needed awesome. for, especially for women. Sometimes they feel like that they don't have a voice and then they're just supposed to mm-hmm. just kind of step back and just do everything for everybody else and sometimes you gotta yeah find your voice and be who you need to be so that's good um yeah I was kind of curious on um I know I follow you on Instagram and stuff and you and are are an ally um Mm -hmm. you know for your husband for others um how has that been like how is Boise how I know I saw something about the boy like the, the pride parade and it was a positive thing it sounded like so maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you support him that way or I don't know. I'm just kind of interested in that. Yeah. And I'd love to, how you, how you advise other people to be allies if they're not sure where to start too. Yeah. I'd love yeah, to hear more yeah. numbers and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Boise is an interesting little place when it comes to, uh, to pride. It's got some very liberal sides to it. And then it's like, it's like Boise itself in the middle is more liberal in, in their views of thinking towards the gay community and the queer community. But then you kind of go out on the edges of Boise and it gets a lot more conservative. And so it's a mixed bag. And um, I just feel like the most important thing to do is to just make it known you're an ally keep speaking up say use language that shows you are an ally 
um, I think, you know, we, we get hung up on, well, you know, I, I, I think of love the sinner, hate the sin type thing that we grew up with as members of the church. And that way of thinking is not okay. And so, but I think people think, well, I can, I can say that and it, it protects me because I still love the person. I'm like, no, you're still sending a message that they innately for being who they are, are not okay or safe to be that way. That there is still some, something wrong with them for purely being who they were born and created to be. And it's very damaging if you were told, I mean, I, I think about who I am and I'm like, if somebody kept telling me that it's wrong to, I don't know, uh, be a singer. Yeah. We're overall like something that's just what you like and who you are. Yeah. Like that would be so hard to navigate. And we come out in different, so many different ways. I think all of us have come out throughout our lives in some way, maybe not as drastic as coming out as queer, but, um, you know, leaving the church is one way of coming out like that is can be a very scary experience to a lot of people. Or um, we've talked about people on the podcast who like came out as artists because their parents wanted them to be doctors. And like when there's that pressure on you to live life one way, then it's scary to be any other way and to feel like you are going to be loved any other way. And so I think the the very basic thing that we can do is show that we are going to love, especially the people within our homes, no matter who they are, no matter what they choose to be, but we are here to support them in in whatever that looks like for them, as long as they are healthy and say, you know, like they're not hurting other people and they're not hurting themselves, then we show up in love and we try to learn and understand and we make that a point, like, let that be seen that you are trying to learn. You're trying to understand. You're hearing other people's stories. You're inviting those stories in. We have like a coloring book that's an LGBT coloring book, and it has terms and definitions on the first couple pages and and just coloring pages the rest of the way through. It's totally family friendly. Um, but I think just like even those little things of having a coloring book or wearing a rainbow, or if you're not comfortable wearing a rainbow, that's okay. But just using the language that's inclusive and trying to learn and to grow, um, it goes a long ways in, in those little things. And so I think just start where you can and where it feels comfortable to you. You don't have to dive all the way into the deep end. If you're not ready for that, it comes in waves, but, um, yeah, I just think, just keep showing up and showing that you love people and are a safe space and proving that with not just your words, but also your actions. Yeah. I love that you, that you're saying like, you know, your choice to stay in the church because that's a place you can help. Cause I'm, you know, imagining that, you know, young kids can come out and they may not have the support they need at home. And if they know that you're a safe space and you're somebody they can come out to or talk to or whatever it is, that's what you just really want. You want every, child adult person to feel loved and accepted for who they are and I just think that's so powerful like imagine like what you're saying like if if just being who I was was a sin I mean how could you not maybe want to take your own life or not feel loved or worthy of love that would be so hard and so to make Mm -hmm. just right off the bat my main thing is to make sure everybody feels loved and accepted for who they are you know in my life then that can can go a really long way think if that's our goal like like you're saying 
it doesn't even really matter who they are. Like, mm-hmm. gay, straight, whatever. Like, if you're just making everyone feel loved and accepted, but not just loved. Like, I always say it's not just about love, it's about respect. I think that that's mm-hmm. sometimes what's missing with the um, hate the sin, love the sinner. Well, you're not really showing yeah. them respect by saying that. Nope. And so I'm mm-hmm. like, has to be love and respect together. And then I think that we're, like, getting somewhere, you know, with, with the way that we're treating the community and treating these individuals. Respect them, respect their lifestyle. Like, we're not looking down on you. I don't know. That's my little soapbox. That's box. a good point. <laughs> yeah, I like the love yeah. and respect together. Yeah, yeah for sure. Know. Yeah, not going in and trying to change them or trying to uh, change beliefs or convert people or, like, you know, but genuinely just loving them for where they're at and saying, okay, I see, I see your path and I'm here to support you on that path. Yeah. Yeah. Something I noticed too. And again, I'm not trying to say like one thing's the total right way to do it or not, but coming with the love and respect is like, ask these people about their relationships. Cause I feel Mm -hmm. like it's easy to show someone that you love them just by being kind to them, but taking it a step further. Oh, like, you know, if you have a family member who's gay or something, how's your partner? How's that person? Cause I think it's like, let me show you love and respect on the surface, but I'm not going to go there. Cause what do I say? I don't know. You know what I mean? But I've noticed in people that are close to me that, you know, are on the LGBTQ, you know, in that community, I think it means a lot when they'll acknowledge that relationship or that part of them. Yeah. That part of them, that's taking it the extra step to show the respect that, okay, I'm accepting you fully, not just loving you for who I want you to be or, or who, or hate, you know, hate the sin, love the sinner, but it's like a full a full circle, you know, full yeah. person thing, <laughs> your whole, your whole self, you know? Yeah. Well, and we recently talked about this on the podcast. I, I mean, I always think they're recent. Who knows? <laughs> recently <Yeah. about> this. <laughs> the, um, I'll start to blend together. <laughs> yeah. Steve was talking about the fact that, you know, he just wants people exactly to your point here, Lindsay, when he and Jalen started dating, he's like, I just want people to be excited for me instead of tiptoeing around the subject or, you know, whatever, not tackling it head on. Like I want people to be genuinely excited of wanting to meet your partner and engage because that's how it is. Like, that's how it was when he met me. Like people wanted to meet me and he, they wanted them to bring me home to meet the family and all of those things. And that is an important part of this of just saying, Hey, I want to meet your partner. Please bring them to our home. Let's go out to dinner. Let's whatever. Um, just as you would any other partner they were with. And I think that that really does speak volumes of you being a true support and ally. And I'm, I'm grateful. Like my family, all of my family has met Steve's boyfriend and I'm most of them live out of town. And so my brothers all live out of town, but when they're here, they know that at some point they're going to make sure Steve and his boyfriend show up at my house and they want that as well. Like it's going to be something that happens and they want to be loving and accepting and show that as well. And so I think that there is so much power in that. Be excited for them. Ask. I, yeah. It's a solid point, Lindsay. I love that. Yeah. Right. Good. I don't know. I just thought of that, but yeah, I've noticed that with the people and it makes so much sense. Like you're saying, like, how would you treat, just a heterosexual couple being excited, asking the questions. But I think people worry that, well, if I do that, am I then condoning it? But really that's up to the individual to figure out with, with themselves, with God. It's not, again, 
like it's not our judgment or our place. So hundred percent. Yeah. Anyway, I love that. So yeah. anyway, I'm thanks. just yeah, thinking I'm glad about we could talk about that. Yeah, your daughter. What a cool. I mean, not. I mean, it's hard. Your parents are divorced, but like you guys have really like the beginning. You said it was for all for her, and so I feel like you mm-hmm. have created this space for her that she feels loved by both her parents. Her parents have love and respect for each other. Um, and then in growing up, you know, in Boise or outside of Boise or whatever, to have the viewpoint she has that she probably is a good example for so many people. And maybe yeah. it's hard sometimes. Maybe people give her, you know, crap for it or whatever. You never know kids how they are these days, but, or any days, but age wise, like sometimes yeah. they don't say the right thing. Yeah. So maybe it can be hurtful for her. But I was like, wow, she, you know, I imagine she's very open-minded and accepting of others. And I love that. She, I, I'm, I don't even know her, but I'm like, oh, I love that she has that, that she has these parents mm-hmm. that have this relationship, can be around each other. Because that's what any kid, kids don't want their kid, parents to be divorced. But if they are divorced, you want them to be able to be in the same room together at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, part of our hope is that first and foremost, that Penny knows we are going to love her no matter what her life looks like. I used to say, like, when I talked about wanting to be together um, be in the same room at all of her big events. I named those events, like her graduation and her marriage and then like all of these things. And I'm like, I don't even name those anymore because I don't know what her path and journey is going to be like. And I don't want to put, I want to put as little pressure of it looking one way um, because I want her to know that we are going to be su- here to support her no matter what is calling to her and love her. And then that trickles down to her knowing that she can love and support other people for what their path looks like. And um, I just, I get excited about that, of thinking about that too, for my daughter of she's getting raised in this very <laughs> kind of interesting life where she is one home that we, we do still go to church fairly often. She goes occasionally, not as much as Matt and I, but, but she's there and she knows our beliefs and some of the things that we believe. And also within the church, things we don't believe or buy into, or that we feel aren't a hundred percent in alignment with what we believe. Like we're open about that and that she gets to create her beliefs for herself and do what feels right for her. But then also she goes to another house where her dad lives a totally different life and that is beautiful and we love and support him and um, we show up for each other and that it's, and so I, I get excited that she's going to be able to do that for other people and especially for herself. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And it's such a good point to point out that you're by modeling this in other ways, like you're creating that for her too, you know, that she can have that acceptance for herself, no matter where she lands, you know, whether she checks those boxes, not even that there should be any boxes. Like we're all just on our own journeys here. So yeah, (laughs) for sure. I feel like most kids it's hard. Like you don't like, we try to have that kind of culture in our family that we will love you for who you are and what you choose as, like you said, as long as they're not hurting themselves or others, but um, to give them that option to, you know, even when we stepped away from the church, we were like, look, you guys don't have to like, yeah, this is our journey, not yours. You've got to decide for yourself, you know, what this looks like for you and what relationship you want to have, you know, with the church. I mean, we live in Utah. It's, it is what it is. There's people all around us. You got to decide <laughs> what you want. And, but I do feel like it's helped us have more open, um, conversations. They feel, I feel like they feel like they can tell us anything now that mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure before, at least in my family that maybe they would have said or wanted to voice before because now they feel a little bit more of a safe space because we're kind of we're more open to like whatever you choose we're here to support you and of course we're going to give you advice and same time it's their path and we want to support them on that and love them through that through it so 
for yeah. sure. Well, this has been a great conversation. It started out a little rough. Yes. <laughs> I know. Some, and you can cut. I'm sorry. Dogs my dogs and some are... kids and. So, hey, this yes, is real so life, annoying. man. This is real life. <laughs> this is. Yeah. It's just a part of so it. So real. Well, we'll, I was going to say, we will, I will for sure link to Jessica's accounts on the description of this Mm -hmm. podcast. So anyone listening can easily reach her. And yeah, if you're not already following her, she's a lot of fun to follow. And like we said, go back and listen to her podcast, start from episode one. (laughs) And it's really good. Actually, I feel like it's super relatable just with, like we were saying earlier with relationships. So it's really great. And it's fun to hear you know, some episodes it's you and your husband, some it's, well, some it's all three of you. Like, so anyway, I love the different perspectives and everything. And then your, so the podcast is called Husband-in-Law Podcast. Oh, right. Right? Yes. Yep. That's what okay. Steve and Matt refer to each other as, is husband-in-laws. Oh, that's so. okay. I kind of figured <laughs> yeah. that, but I like that. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. And then your Instagram is Hey Jessica Fru, and I assume yeah. that's where, yeah, that you can kind of link to her, the bold logic and um, for retreats and for coaching and all of that through relationships, yeah. which I think is awesome. And two things I'm thinking of real quick before we go is first and foremost, I'm I'm going to send you guys these, these two links. We have one that is six ways to be an ally. If you are just starting oh, out perfect. and like yeah. looking for steps, since we dove into that conversation, like I'll send you that and it's totally free. It's just a free little guide to help you find ways to be an ally that resonate with you. So a starting point that feels good. Um, and then the other one cool. is a free workbook for anybody who's experiencing crisis and it's, it's diving into figuring out how to trust your gut again, how to, and I, I always try to cut off the, again, when I say that, how to trust your gut, because so many of us feel like we've never been able to trust our gut. Like we don't know how to do that. And so learning to trust your gut after betrayal, uh, if you've experienced some sort of crisis in your relationship, it's a great place to start. So I'll send over both those links and those are yeah, both just free, free things that we have to oh, offer. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. We can link that awesome. to your episode for sure. That's great. Yeah. We'll do that. We'll include that. Great. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. We need to ask our wrap up question. We always yes. um, ask about how you find beauty in life after going through this transition. You know, the beauty in life for me has really come from finding ways of loving people that I never thought I would love people. And understanding that love comes in so many different forms and is so beautiful and there is so much of it to go around and I have a little quote on my wall from F. Scott Fitzgerald and it says there are all kinds of love in this world but never the same love twice and it's so true and I think when we can grasp that concept we understand how we can love more than one person. I mean, like I think about Matt, my husband, being totally fine with the relationship that I have with my ex-husband and knowing that I love and care about him, but it's a different kind of love. And so I think that that's such a beautiful thing that we can take as we experience these big shifts and transitions in our lives. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great quote. I don't know if I've heard that quote. I love that. I know. I don't know that I had either, but thanks for sharing. I love it. Yeah. All right. This has been awesome. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate you uh, putting up with us and our. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time. Yes. (laughs) And I feel like we do better like when we're in the same room because we give each other cues, but we're not in the same room this time. And I'm like, wow, this is kind of funny. I know. And then I've got dogs and we both got sick kids at home and the adventures of podcasting some days. Yes, for sure. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, ladies. It was good to chat with you. Thank Thank you for sharing. Okay. See ya. Yes. 
Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and would love if you subscribe to the podcast and follow it along as we continue hearing more inspiring stories. You can also follow us on Instagram at Beautiful Shifts Podcast, where we will post updates with our latest interviews. We'd like to thank the band We The Lion for giving us permission to use their beautiful song Move Along for our podcast. Take a minute to listen to the song and the lyrics and enjoy. I find a way to know myself All my thoughts are mine again And begin to understand where to go Now it's time to move along Now it's time to move along Take this journey as my own Feel the strength right in my bones All I want is to believe Life is my own Life is my own I'll start again, my mind is free now I can feel I'll take a chance, I won't be wrong Yes, now it's time to move along Now it's time to move along Take this journey